You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour I've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power here helping me out, and we'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance, engines, performance, tuning, troubleshooting, fuel mileage, upgrades, modifications, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. I'm going to bring in the guys from Pittsburgh Power. Looks like today we've got Bruce and Ethan. Is John John missing today? Yes, uh, John got called for a special race car tune function, new design on a chassis. He's quite into these chassis down in Miami, Florida. So they flew him down. They took him away from us for today and tomorrow. Wow, he's in demand. Yeah, it seems like once he left the racing industry and said he's going back to the diesel engine industry, the racing industry said, hey, we're losing a great guy. And now all of a sudden they want him more. Well, that's okay because we've got him now. <laughs> we just need to keep him. That's right. So, I've got I've got a couple things, and then I'll see if you guys want to start with something. Two things. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I even hate to bring this up anymore because I get so much hate mail when I talk about this topic, but I want to stay on top of it because it's changing fast. There is another company um, in the autonomous truck market, and they're up and running, and they plan on releasing retrofit kits to make current vehicles autonomous. Just throwing it out there so we keep an eye on it because there's stuff happening all the time. People get just so mad when I talk about this. They act like I'm the one taking their job. All I'm trying to do is keep them informed so they know what's coming. Um, So we won't spend a lot of time on that. The other thing, Bruce, I don't know, um, this was just announced yesterday, and I don't remember seeing anything else about this. International has a new engine, and you can order it right now. Is that right? What's it called? It is called the A26. How original, huh? And it is based on the D26, which is a man engine over in Europe, man trucks in Europe, which is owned by Volkswagen. And Volkswagen now has a very big stake in international. It's hard to keep all these companies straight. Who owns who, who got bought by who, but Volkswagen bought a big... Um, share of international Volkswagen also owns man trucks in Europe and their block over there. The D 26 is the base for this engine. They're claiming it's really, really long life. Um, It doesn't look too complicated. Uh, 70,000 mile oil change intervals. They're claiming it's a a, easily a 1.2 million mile engine. Uh, 5% better fuel economy than any other engine they've ever produced. So we'll see. You know, the, the good news is this block, the, the man block, was 
designed from the ground up once we knew what the emission standards were. So it's more along the lines of the DD15 and the MX engine, where it's not an old engine that we keep upgrading. It is a new engine from the ground up. So we'll see. Maybe International will, will have better luck with this engine than their last one. Well, that, that sounds like good news. The bad news is that the, another country buying part of America. Uh, I was told probably 15 or 20 years ago when there, whenever there's another industrial revolution in the world, it will be headed up by the Germans. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no question. It is, uh, like I said, it's hard to keep track of who owns who anymore. You think of International as a completely American company, and yet it's not. Um, it's got ties to, and it's owned by companies, you know, all over the world. So, um, and truck manufacturing certainly seems to be going that way. Um we're seeing more truck models that are becoming global models um, rather than just in one country. So we'll see. I also see that um, the ISX uh, Cummins announced the new program. If you use their oil analysis service, they are recommending 80,000 mile oil changes on the ISX. Wow. I have not seen that. So. Yeah. So. More, more the need for the OPS bypass filter. I I think so. You know, it, it's interesting, Bruce. You and I have fought this this attitude for years. You've seen people say, "Oh, if that really worked, the OEMs would just put it on the truck." Which nothing could be further from the truth. Almost every, I shouldn't say almost every, but many innovations come from the aftermarket. And they're in the aftermarket for years and sometimes decades before they're picked up by the OEM. And this is a good example. You know, you and I yeah. have been talking about bypass filtration for not years, but decades. And the OEMs are finally starting to put some bypass filtration on their trucks. It was 1979 when I was introduced to one micron bypass oil filter. 1979, I've been working with them. That's And we're just now, in the last several years, starting to see OEMs. So there's clearly an aftermarket technology that was better than anything the OEMs had, and the OEMs are finally getting there, 30 or 40 years later. Uh, but, but, you know, look at what you and I were talking about 10 years ago when we first got together. We both talked about direct drive gears, We've been through wide singles. We've done the six by two. We've done the, the, you know, the higher gear ratios in direct drive, all those things. And guess what? If you look at like the Cascadia evolution, when they build a specific model of truck for fuel economy, that truck has every one of those technologies that you and I were talking about 10 years ago. Amazing, isn't it? Some, yeah. Sometimes the OEMs listen. Yeah. And, you know, it takes them longer. I get that. And that's not even a criticism of the OEMs. It's the accountants that build the trucks, not the engineers. If the engineers right. got the truck they wanted, we'd have to pay $400,000 for the truck. But it might be a super truck. Oh, it would be. 
It would be, but the accountants won't let them build it. So it, it takes them a right. very, very long time. You know, a technology has to be absolutely proven. And even then, I mean, the OEMs know these technologies work. They just don't, the numbers just don't work for them. And, and it, it takes correct. a while. You know, the, the, the stuff that we were talking about is now standard on fuel economy trucks. So for all the people that say, oh, if that worked, the OEMs would just put it on, you couldn't be more wrong. I've always felt that way. And if, let, let's just go way back into the 60s. If you bought a car, Camaro, uh, Corvette, Plymouth GTX, GTO, and you wanted to make it really run good, you could go to the dealership and buy some pretty nice performance parts. But if you wanted to be the class leader, you went to the speed shop. You had to go to the hot rod shop and get the real parts that made performance. And it's, and it's been that way with trucks, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anything, uh, anything new and exciting you guys want to talk about today? Yes, we get a tremendous amount of people that want us to diagnose problems over the phone. And this problem was an engine that we had built 13 months ago, and it had excessive oil coming out of the blow-by tube. And so fortunately, he was able to bring it in, and Ethan was able to fix it, and Ethan's going to tell you what it was. Ethan? Yeah, we... Uh... It obviously was, he, he's claiming it was taking a gallon every 5,000 miles, um, which you've always first think that the truck has excessive blow-by. And he says it was getting oil under the, the blow-by tube. So we put it on the dyno and did a manometer test. The test told us that it had one inch of blow-by, and that's perfectly acceptable on a cat. That's actually great. Um, then while we were taking the truck off, you look under it, and there there is a little small puddle of oil under their blow-by tube. So started thinking what else could it be so we took the truck into the shop and pulled the the valve cover off where the blow-by tube was it has a like a splash guard in there to prevent you know oil from just getting splashed up into it and dripping through the tube but what happened was the uh an oil leak occurred up in the rocker assembly an o-ring blew out and was spraying oil under high pressure up on the top and then working its way into the the blow-by tube Wow. And the O-ring was part of what? Uh, part of the rock, Jake assembly there. Huh. Part of the Jake assembly. Interesting. Now, that's one I've never heard of. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about that when we get back. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan with me. We're talking about a, an engine. So, Bruce, here's the first thing that comes to mind for me. I've never heard of anything like that occurring. But I, I would venture to say that if you would have taken this truck to any five random engine shops, at some point they may have rebuilt it again. That's exactly correct. And you still had the same problem because it was an O-ring in the Jake brake, not yeah. something that you would replace at rebuild time. So wow. that's why yeah. we're so emphatic about when people have problems, it's so much easier to fix them and diagnose them when you come to the shop. And so many people say, oh, I don't run that way. Try to get a load that way. You know, do something. Yeah. Why do you have to bobtail in on a Saturday or Sunday and wait till Monday morning? But it's so worth it to get in there because here was a here was a problem. I mean, there could have been another $20,000 thrown at this engine for new cylinder kits and a head, and everybody wants to do the whole shebang all over again instead of finding problems. And that's one well, thing we do quite well is find problems. Yeah. And here's the crazy part. Not only would you have spent 20000 again, you would have had all the additional downtime, which is lost revenue. You can't ever get that back. You know, the 20000 may or may not have been covered under warranty. That would have been a big fight. But then after all this trouble and all this cost and all the downtime again, like you said, you'd still have the problem. And you'd have to go deal with it again. That's correct. Ah, oh, crazy. Well, good catch, guys. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So that was a fun. We're ready for some questions. (laughs) All right, let's do that because we've got lots of them. Let's go to Georgia. Steve, welcome to the program. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call, and I appreciate everything you're doing for us. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about a a ECM tune. I have a '09 uh, Freightliner Cascadia with a DD15 in it. Got about a 919,000 miles on it. Um, I think what I'm gonna, going to do is go ahead and pull the trigger and just come up to you guys so you guys can uh, uh, put your hands on it and, and overlook it and everything like that. Uh, the problem I'm having, well, I, I really don't have a problem, but I noticed that my throttle response on my foot is terrible because I could get a better throttle response uh, from the cruise than I can my foot. And so I just decided to, to come and um, uh, come up that way and let you guys do a, a ECM tune on this engine and um, and maybe put it on a dyno. And, and my first question is is that uh, what process I have to go through to schedule it. And, and my second question is, is that will you guys be able to fix the uh, throttle response? through the uh, uh, ECM tune. Okay, first we would like to have about a week's notice, if that's possible. And then I'm gonna let Ethan talk to you about the throttle response whenever you're underfoot. Uh, the, okay. the throttle response, they, they did that on the uh, the Series 60s as well. Um, basically it has two horsepower ratings, one for your foot and one for cruise control. So that's what's happening there and yes we can we can tune that right out of it okay great great about um 
uh, 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 price range should I be looking at just for the uh, uh, ECM tune and the uh, dyno? Well, you you wanted to do the emissions tune-up along with the dyno and the ECM, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. I think you're close in the, into the $2,500 range right there and plan on being there for a day and a half. Sometimes we can get you out in a day. Sometimes it's a day and a half. It all okay. depends if we need any parts. I got you. I got you. Okay. I do appreciate everything. And you guys take care. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Missouri. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Uh, great to talk to you guys. I really feel privileged. <laughs> uh, I got an ISX. I had uh, a brand X from the southern, or excuse me, western United States do something on my truck. It runs really good, I got to admit. Real good horsepower, real good fuel mileage. But uh, can you guys do any more to it, or, or better, I guess? Well, I said, do you have enough power? Can you cross Interstate 80 in Pennsylvania at 80,000 pounds and not drop a gear? <laughs> uh, almost, put it that way. Uh, it's kind of hard. I've never, I, we just run mainly in the Midwest, Nebraska, Missouri, Iowa. But uh, it seems to hang in there really, really well. But I, I just want to try to get it to optimum performance. It, it works fairly decent. I, I just wanted to know mainly uh, you don't, have anybody else in the midwest it's everything's got to go to pennsylvania is that correct no no we have some tuners some remote tuners in the midwest okay i should maybe call you off the air and uh, get to get a few locations but uh we're really picky we i, I my fuel mileage dropped down a little bit i attribute some of that to the fuel this winter uh but we're right around that 6.0 I'm pulling a van right now. I used to pull a uh, pressurized tanker. I get a little over seven. Uh, does that tell you anything at all? The, my fuel mileage dropped down quite a little. Uh, well, let me ask you this. On a hard pull, how many pounds of turbo boost will the engine develop? About 39 pounds. Uh, Ethan, I think there's some room for improvement there, don't you? Hmm. Uh, a little bit, yes. And this still has the variable geometry turbo on it, correct? Uh, no, sir, actually. I'm glad you asked that so you know it does not. It has a, a aftermarket turbo on it. Okay, aftermarket turbo. Hmm. Yes, sir. Well, the thing is to get into one of our tuners and let's hook into it and see what's in there and see if we can improve it. If we can't, we will tell you that. That's wonderful because, I, like I said, I really want to be – as, as optimum as we can, that's where the money is. And I appreciate your time, you guys, and I'll call you over in Pennsylvania, okay? Very good. Thank you. Sounds like a plan. Let's continue on. Let's go to Chiron in Texas. Welcome to the program. Hi, uh, everybody. Thanks for taking the call. i got a couple of short questions. Um I got an aftermarket turbo on a Series 60 Detroit. It's a Sporg Warner 17-1702. And the mechanic to put it on told me I needed to idle at 700 RPM or better because of wet stacking. That's, is that, that true? Is not, no, that's not true. Um, if you're getting 
fuel, unburnt fuel after staff at an idle, let's say you're 600 or 650, the first thing I would do would be to reset the overhead. And another thing to always keep in mind, and this, this number was from back in the Big Cam Cummins era, on a 14-liter engine, it takes 8 horsepower to idle. So that gives you approximately 1.3 horsepower per cylinder, which doesn't generate a tremendous amount of heat. So it doesn't hurt to idle them up a little bit, but you don't have to have your idle at 700 if you don't want it. If it's easier for you to get it into gear at 600 or 650, then so be it. Yeah. But uh, yep. now, now with, with that bigger turbo, uh, we do recommend putting at least our 500 horse to the ground program in the ECM, which gives you 588 flywheel. If you were to stop 430, 470, or 500, sometimes you lose performance and fuel mileage with the bigger turbo. Yeah, he. Yeah, I had him. I had a, had the guy. He programmed it for me, and I, I bumped it up a bit more than that. And the okay. other question I had, other two questions I had, they're short ones. It's a, a Columbia 2006, and there's two settings on the wipers. Does the ECM control the wipers, or is the switch in the dash? And uh, is there auto idle from the Cascadia available for that ECM? The ECM does not control the wipers. Now, on some of the trucks, I'm not sure what year they crossed over, the, we'll call it the cab module controls the wipers. Okay. I'm not sure of the years that, a, off the top of my head. Is there an aftermarket wiper control unit available for that to reduce the time delay on it or no? Are, are extra settings? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I've never really messed with one too much. And I have, I have a question for you, too, on the, the excess of fuel at idle. Um, how their tune can have a big, big impact on there? Because I've seen it where if you get a bad tune in there, it'll idle real heavy at, you know, it'll fuel real heavy at idle. Well, he, the, I went back and the second time, and he changed the turbo, and he put it up to 700, and I said, that's too fast for backing into a, a dock in the dark and then going into a dock when it's dark and it's just it's too fast for for driving and he t changed it down for me but it's at 750 on the flywheel and i mean i get great fuel mileage i'm power is the pedal real sensitive uh i'm gonna have to get to a break we'll come back and we'll wrap that one up and get to some more questions right after this stick around We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rothberg.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan with me today, and we're going to go back to the calls. Okay, guys, let's wrap this one up. Yeah, I was just curious about the pedal sensitivity. It, it feels pretty good. The truck drives better than it's ever driven. I got lots of power, and um, I'm, uh, I'm at 7.3 and haul flatbed 80,000 pounds most of the time. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good tune. I have no complaints. Uh, just the idle question, that's really what I had an issue with going yeah. into docks and at the trucks. Ethan, what I think his tuner did was put all 75s or 100s in there, and that's why he's getting the raw fuel off the stack, because they're not matching the flow with the injectors. That maybe, but I think it also has to do with the, the way he manipulated the table. If you ever okay. get near our shop and you want us to check that for you, we'll, we can download your program and then see if we need to make any alterations to it to eliminate that problem. But we certainly wouldn't take any of your power away. If, if we okay, can improve, okay, that's what we're looking if we into. Can, if we can improve on the idle and improve on the overall drivability, we would discuss that with you. If we said, hey, this right. is a great program, leave it the way it is, we would also tell you that. Okay, I appreciate you guys helping you vast amount of knowledge available to us. I really do appreciate you guys' time too. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Call. Let's head off to Tennessee. Les, welcome to the program. Hey guys. All right. I'm about to pull the trigger on buying my own truck. Looking at D fifteens with thirteen speed. Uh obviously I need to look at the uh I'm looking at you know 2010s through 2012s, and do I need to find out what model of uh, transmission it has before we even discuss uh, rear end ratios? What rear end well, ratio you, do you uh, have right now? Uh, I'm seeing 390s, 358s. A uh, few 336s. Yep. I'm not seeing anything real, real low like a 279 or anything like that. Well, yeah, all wanna, of those. You want to stay with that? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Kevin. I was just going to say all of those ratios you just mentioned. If, if a truck has a 390, 355, 336, it, it has to have a double overdrive. It, it's, so the final gear rate, there could be a very, very few exceptions to that, but not many. The final ratio on that transmission is going to be somewhere 0 0.73, 0 0.74. My my feeling is you would want to try to stay in the 358 range, and you want the 13 or the 18 speed transmission, so you have the availability to split the gear. And if you can afford to the newer truck, the newer the DPF. And the urea system, the better, like a, a 13 or a 14 or a 14 and a 15, if you can go that high. That's that's what I would be looking for. Okay. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. You're Ethan, welcome. What, what year, Ethan, what year do you feel that the DPF and the urea combination are starting to work better? Any of the, the DD15s work real well. Um, the DDX6s, okay. they're, they're known for having a few problems there. 
because again that yes. short production run to meet emissions okay stay away from the dd6 that is a problem engine but all dd15s are working well for us yeah and any of the new isx's there they're running great you know uh, i'm not sure if i mentioned it or not earlier bruce when i talked about the new international engine that's a 12.4 liter 12. yeah i was reading up on this one <laughs> oh, okay good so it's got a variable geometry turbo a couple other i didn't see anything really outrageous in there it's interesting that they're going after the 12 liter market yeah yeah um well, you know, I was told in the beginning when they all went to 15 liter, it was just easier to overcome a lot of the emission problems, a lot of the EGR problems on a bigger displacement engine. And I think now that they've got some of the problems handled, they're going back to what we think of now as a small engine. But, you know, we never really thought of the Series 60 as a small engine, and it's only 12.7. Right. That's All right. right, let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to uh, Illinois. Steve, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin. Hey, I just bought a uh, brand new glider, and uh, I got about 70,000 miles on it, and I'm only getting about 10,000 miles on the fuel filters. And uh, I was wondering if that's normal or if, if it's not normal, if there's something, what, what could be causing it, or what can I do to solve it? Or what can I buy to get better filters? Yeah. Or something? I don't know. It's not normal, so there's some sort of contaminant in the system that's clogging the filters early. I, I've had trucks literally go 70 or 80,000 miles. So when I was using the loop or the... Uh, the Detroit filter where you can see through the glass. I just drew it, the Fuel Pro. Um, I had, I remember 75, 80,000 miles between filter changes sometimes because you know when you have to change that one. 10,000 is way too early. My guess would be that it, it may have just had um, uh, algae from the, right from the start. You know, a truck sitting around while it's being transported, waiting to be built, you can develop algae in the fuel then, and, and you're probably just going to have to get in there and verify, one, that it is algae, and then, two, get pretty aggressive at um, going after it. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, we have that company that uh, does the cleaning of the fuel tanks. We take them off, and they take them to their shop. And that's what we do to get rid of the asphalt team. But that would also work great to get rid of the algae. And that's a place to start. You did not mention what kind of truck or what engine it is. Oh, it's a uh, 60 Series Detroit, and it's a, uh, a T660 as far as the truck. Yeah, wow. I'm surprised you're having that problem. Can you get by the shop someday and let's take a look at it? If we what we see in there, or how about taking uh, a fuel I, sample and take a fuel sample and send it to OPS and get it analyzed? Oh, there's a great idea. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do the oil analysis every fifteen thousand yeah. with OPS. And okay. by the way, 40, well, years, forty years ago, forty years ago on small cam and then the uh, inception of the big cam Cummins, we used to change 
Steel filters once a week. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, other than, other than something like algae or asphaltine or something like that, I mean, do you guys see any other reason why you'd have to change a filter so soon? I mean, I don't know of another one. No, unless you're getting um, a place that has a lot of water in their fuel. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving. Let's go to Tennessee. Lewis, welcome to the program. Hello, guys. How y'all doing? Good. Good. All right, all right. I was just calling to ask a question from uh, Bruce and Ethan. Um, I'm in the market of buying a glider or either buying a newer truck. Uh, Which uh, motor will get the better efficiencies out of what I get better efficiencies out of the new Cummins IXX, a newer one, or um, just say a Detroit with all the goodies. Um, the truck that I have now, I have an IXX with all of the goodies, and I love the performance and I love the the fuel mileage to power. What what, what year are you IXX IXX you now? now? Uh, the IXX that I have now is a 2006 model. And what's your fuel mileage? Uh, I'm sitting at about seven and a half to uh, eight. Um, uh, Kevin don't like that that guessing, but I'd sit more along at seven and a half on a uh, few gauges. Um, I'm always a fan of the the new ISX, so you can't go wrong there. Um, especially if you're going to run California or somewhere that's going to be you know require the emissions devices on the truck. Okay, yeah, I won't be going to California, but uh, <laughs> I'll. Um, okay, the newer IXXs, you see more efficiencies out of those than a just say a glider built well. The, again, they, they've designed that engine to be more efficient around what what they're got to work with now. All right, there's the music. We're going to get to a break. We'll come back with more stuff right after this. Don't go away. Kevin Rutherford. A quick heads up, we're heading into the final segment of the Power Hour, and then we're going to come back and do an hour of general questions. Let me give you a quick heads up here. Uh, If you have general questions, you might be able to get in still. So the sooner you press one on your phone, the better your chances will be. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get back to some calls. We're going to go to Idaho. Kevin, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin. Uh, thank you for what you do. Uh, we really appreciate you. Um, so March 17th, my wife's surgery is coming up, and uh, once that's over, our finances are going to be wide open. A while back, we had uh, I had talked with uh, Bruce about having a tune-up. Well, it wasn't Bruce. It was one of his team there. Um, about having uh, the tune-up done on the truck, um, I've got a because of my customer base, I have to go to California. Um, so I've got a 2015 Kenworth with an IFX. So I've got a question and then a comment about an earlier caller. My question is, he said that it was it would be the $22 to $2,800 range. I need to know what kind of value once this once we're able to to be able to to do all this. What kind of value am I going to realize from that? Uh, after it's done. The, my comment uh, that I have uh, was that the caller earlier said that he was, if I understood him, he said 39 pounds of boost. Uh, on my IFX on a heavy load, I'm lucky if I get 30. Uh, I'm real lucky. If I'm, I'm, I probably average uh, the highest is probably 28 to 30. Um, I don't know if that matters or not. But anyway, thank you for what you do, and I will listen to, uh, to his answer. Okay. First of all, his 39 pounds of boost, he does not have the variable geometry turbo. So somebody somewhere in the country did a delete and took the emissions off of that truck. So we cannot compare that with your truck. Now, on your truck, what is the horsepower? I'm at 525 now. 525. Oh, Ethan, do you... uh, have you recalled any five and a quarters on the dyno, what they're making for boost? I uh, thought they could my head, but higher than that. No, they, they, they typically, the newer trucks run a little lower because um, they're better at controlling the temperatures of the exhaust just based on the injection cycle. Well, once I come to see you guys, then, I mean, you can set it at whatever you guys think it, the tune uh, requires. Um but um, I'm just curious what kind of value I'm going to get back from you guys because that, that's a lot of money. How many how many well, miles are on this truck? Uh, there are 274,515 at the moment. Okay, here, okay, here's still, the value. Still young. Okay, the value is uh, you won't have emissions-related problems for the next 250,000 miles, or you should not. You will not have check engine lights coming on. You will have an increase in horsepower and an increase in torque, a decrease. Uh, If we put the soot separator on, you'll have a drastic decrease in your consumption of DEF, and the amount of times that you regen will be reduced. And as far okay. as fuel mileage, you know, we're seeing uh, seven-tenths to over a mile of a gallon. So the, the payback really? is huge. Yeah, the payback is huge. The the $2,500 for the emissions tune plus the dyno, and then if you do the soot separator and you have another 11 or 1200 in that with installation, they're probably going to be in the $900 range plus a couple hours to install uh yeah, how do you put a, a figure on that whenever you're using a third less DEF, your regens are way down, and the check engine lights are eliminated, and the power and the torque, wow. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal payback. 
So, so the separator would be in addition to the twenty five hundred. That's correct. The twenty five hundred okay. is your emissions tune up, which is around twenty two fifty, and then you have two seventy five to dyno it, and then you'd have the soot separator after that. All right. Well, that'll tell me what I need to to budget when this is done. Um, so I, I and I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys. I, I'm ready for this. Okay, we'd love to have you. Oh, thank All you right. Let's keep moving and knock out a couple more calls. Let's head off to Kansas. Hal, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. You guys are making me feel bad. I never hear you say anything good about a high car motor, but I'm wondering if Bruce is doing any work on them yet and and what can we do to increase my fuel mileage. I got 6.85 for the year last year, and I've when the conditions are right, I see a lot of seven and a quarter 90 day averages. Well, Ethan knows more about the pack car engine than I do, Ethan and John. So I want to let Ethan talk about that one. Uh, we're still working there on, on tuning wise. Uh, we're working on that. But what we've seen so far is we've done a couple ma EGR maintenances on them, um, you know, gone over them, starting to learn there. And what we have seen though is with the, we don't have an official name for it there, the soot separator. That has had the biggest impact on the, the pack car engine. Uh, the one we have out there running, we, we've got the same results we've had so far on our couple test trucks is, you know, EGTs are down, urea consumption is down, and the overall truck is, the fuel mileage is up. Um, so that's, everyone so far has reported the, the same results, but we have not changed, you know, any of the programming wise or anything like that on, on when we're putting on the soot separator. Okay, when will you have one of them available for me? Ooh, I don't oh, have an exact it, answer there, it, Bruce. It should it should be right after. We're going to introduce it at the Louisville show, and we should have them available right after the Louisville show, a week or two after the show at the most. In fact, they should be available maybe even at the show. Okay. Are you set up with Backcar yet? Yes, we are set up with Backcar. Okay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. Hey. Let's see. Go ahead, Bruce. Kevin, you know yeah. how they set up with that car, how we got that, how that initially started, or where it started, no. in, in, uh, in Johnny Walco's racing career, racing ah. racing with okay. the back car engineers. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there you go. You know, it's, you know where some it, of the guys from your – from the smart truck and your, your the people working on that uh, aerodynamic trailer and where they came from. They came from the race car industry and worked with John also. So it, yeah, it, it pays to build relationships. Take the time Talk off. That. What's that? Yeah. I said it pays to build relationships. We talk about that all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we talk about things bleeding off from the race car industry into the diesel engine industry. And that's where I came from the race car industry. So, yeah. All right. Let's knock out a couple more calls. Let's go to Iowa. Calvin, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for everything you do. Great show. Um, I have a 99 Century Freightliner 3406E 1LW. Back in July, I had new tires put on, um, 140 rolling resistance down to a 102. A week and a half later, 
I was up Pittsburgh power and I got the fast system and the uh, 553 force two and Ethan, you're the one that did that for me. Um, I got the, on the truck that um, you were able to get the turbo pressure off the turbo side and check the, the drop across the, the charge air cooler. Anyway, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, um, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, anyway, so right now, um, I'm not very happy with the, the fuel economy I'll be getting. Um, so I went 25,000 miles after my visit there, and that was at 6.6. So I ran the numbers back 25,000 miles before I got there, and it was at 6.55. I was wondering, is there something else that can be done to the tune to give me a little bit better fuel economy? Yeah, we wow. can take a look and make a couple adjustments. Did we do the manifold and turbo and the fleet air filter and the straight-through muffler? I have the fleet air filter. I have a new turbo one. It's a, Bor- a Borgen Werner, and there's no manifold on it. But uh, uh, I don't know what else to say. Okay. What about the muffler? What type of muffler do you have on it? It's a weed burner. It's just a short muffler. Okay. When you say a short muffler, can you put your arm through the muffler, or is there a baffle in the center? Uh, yeah, I probably could. It's only, I don't know, maybe foot and a half long or so okay but they did on a lot of those resonators they have a baffle right in the middle and they have a screen that has uh slightly smaller than eight inch diameter holes and they do clog and no matter what we do with the tune so long as you have that muffler on there you are not going to see fuel mileage so you need to take that off and look through it and describe to us give us a call and let us know what it looks like inside or take some pictures, put a bright light in there because it's going to be black. And yeah, I have an appointment to be there on Friday. Okay. Well, let's let's make sure we take that off and look at that. And then really think about the exhaust manifold because a Caterpillar at 15 meters really benefits from that uh, 20% larger exhaust manifold. And with that, we've got to wrap it up. The music's playing. I've got to get out of here. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, a quick heads up here. Um, I'm looking through, and we dropped a bunch of calls that were general questions. So actually, right now, we don't even have enough to go into a second hour. So I'm going to give you about 15 seconds, um, or we'll just call it a day. I have a lot to get done today. I have a big conference this week. I will do another hour as long as we have enough questions. So... um, If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything at all, go ahead and press one on your phone right now. Starting to come in. Still some room, though, so I will go ahead and start a second hour. uh, But there's still room if you want to get in. The sooner you press one, the better off you'll be. Here we go.
your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. I want to remind you, time is running out. I'm talking about your taxes. It is March, and I wouldn't wait any longer. If you haven't got your accounting together, I would get on that right away. I would make an appointment if you have to to get in to see your tax preparer. You still have some time, but if you wait much longer, you are going to be stuck in the jam. I've been doing taxes for a very, very long time. It's a tough business. January and February, you know it's tax season, but you have no work to do other than getting ready, and you just sit and wait for the tax returns to get there. Beginning of March, you're still keeping up with things, but you're starting to see that it's getting heavy. By March 15th, forget it. Every tax preparer, any good tax preparer is buried by March 15th, and they'll be like that for months after. Then they'll file extensions. You don't want to get stuck in that. Get your taxes done now. Um, a week or so ago, I did a uh, an episode about the the kind of tax deductions that I see people missing that could literally save them thousands of dollars. I explained how to pay your children to work in your business. Huge tax savings from that. I explained how to deduct the miles you put on your personal vehicle. Another big tax deduction. Home office deduction. If you have one, you should be taking that deduction. If you don't have a home office, you should be building one or or setting one up. Find the space. There's a, another good deduction there. I also talked about deducting your vacations. So things that most business owners are not deducting, they're already spending the money. I'm not asking you to go spend any more money to get these deductions. In most cases, you may already have them. You're spending the money. You're just not getting the deduction because, I guess, because you don't know that you can and your tax preparer hasn't told you. Maybe you need a new tax preparer. You can always check us out. Never hurts to get a second opinion. Have somebody else look at last year's tax return or talk about what they could do for you this year. If you have any questions, whether it's accounting, uh, help with profit gauges, a tax return you need done, whatever it might be, you can call us. We've been doing owner-operator tax returns just about longer than anybody else on the planet. Um, I've been doing them myself since 1990, so it's been a while. We do a lot of them, and we'd love to have your business. Call us and give us a shot. It's 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835. No matter who you're using, even if you're using us, it never hurts to have somebody else look over your tax return. Get a second opinion. Maybe somebody has an idea. 
it's worth it because you don't want to pay anything more to taxes than you absolutely have to. And the way to lower your tax bill, one, is to have a good accounting system. We can help you with that. And two, to have a good tax preparer. So get on that. Also, CMC. It's getting closer. I know it's September this year. We have a little extra time, but this year is just flying by. It's March already. So get signed up for the CMC. We, um, the sooner we get signups, the better the event can be. Because based on how many people are there, we will take some of the extra revenue and bring in more speakers. We did it last year. We had a really good turnout last year. So we brought in Dan Baker, who turned out to be uh, one of our highest rated speakers of the event. Dan is amazing. I'd love to bring in additional speakers like that this year, but we have to know that the revenue's there. We have to know early enough. You know, we get a lot of people who sign up in the last two months, and I get it. They're waiting to make sure that, you know, they have the availability. But the sooner you sign up, the better we can make the event. So if you have questions about the CMC, if you don't know what it is, it's a five-day business conference we cover everything you need to know about how to be successful in trucking, whether you are getting ready to buy your very first truck ever, or if you are a fleet looking to go out and get customers, if you want to be a broker, whatever it might be, we are going to have classes and sessions and um, lots of resources to help you with all of those things. We we bring in great speakers. You have um Owner operators and fleet owners who have been coming to this event for years now, they're always there to help. There's a lot of networking going on. Uh, I, I could talk about it for hours, but get signed up or call us and, and ask. We'll explain it all to you. You can go to the website, letstruck.com, or you can call us, 855-800-FUEL. We're going to get to the phones. Let's start off in Michigan. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I have an idea for you to uh, add the fuel gauges. Okay. Tell me about it. Oil consumption. You know, Track that would be a your good... miles. That, that way, that if would... you did a rebuild and you need uh, information, you don't have to sit there and fill out the paper later you can respond to it sooner and or you know the number more when you want to do your rebuild because a lot of people just throw oil in it and don't track it. That is a really good idea uh, for all of those reasons you just said because we would be able to tell you if you put it into to fuel gauges We'd be able to tell you oil consumption per mile plus oil consumption per gallon of fuel, which is what the OEMs want to mm -hmm. see for a warranty. So that should be fairly easy for us. I'm not sure why we haven't thought of that one before. I don't. I was sitting there t listening to you all the time about you know the rebuilds and everything else. It's like you know we already got fuel gauges. It's so close. Uh, yeah. You know. Ah, absolutely. People I appreciate People who have been that. tracking their fuel like that might yeah. as well track your oil, too. 
Yeah, that's a, a great oh. idea. I will uh, give that to the programmers and let them work their magic. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. Have a nice day. Thank you. I, I, you know, we have a huge list of ideas um, for fuel gauges and profit gauges. We're always working on them, but I don't think I'd have to go back and look. I don't think that one's ever been on our list. There are some features that have been on our list for when we released fuel gauges back in 2010. So there are some things that were on the list back then we haven't got to yet. Um, but I don't remember this one on there. We'll have to work on that. I like that idea. Let's go to Florida. Al, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So I, uh, I had a problem a while back with uh, electrical issue. Um, the voltage was jumping all over the place and we figured it was an alternator and I changed it and bounced right back to 13.8, 13.9 all the time. It was good. But recently now, um, when I shut the engine down and go to the fuel pump or whatever, by the time I get the second hose in, the voltage has dropped so much already that the APU kicks in. And uh, between cycles on the APU, it hardly stays off at all, and it keeps kicking in because the voltage is dropping so fast. And now my uh, alternator is only charging about 13.4, 13.5. Okay, so it sounds like there might be a couple things going on here. And if you could speak up, I've got a, you're really quiet. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Listeners will as well. So I'm going to kind of, that's better. I'm going to kind of um, recap the question. I've had some voltage issues, replaced the alternator, seemed to fix it. Now the voltage is so bad, turn off the key. And within minutes, virtually, if you're just getting fuel, the voltage starts dropping enough that, the uh, APU kicks on. So um, it, it sounds like there could be a couple things going on here. Um, has anybody load tested the batteries? Yeah, I just had that done a week or two ago, and they're averaging around 12, 12 something, low 12. Hey, well, did, uh, did they load test them? Yes. Okay. Because the low 12 sounds like a voltage reading, and I'm wondering if they passed a load. On a load test, we, we put a big draw against the battery and see how well it handles that draw. Uh, because certainly bad batteries would do this. But I, it, I also think there's got to be a huge electrical draw somewhere. Uh, let me get to a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about this right after this. Stick around. Kevin Rock. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I'm talking to Al in Florida. You know, I, Al, I just went through this uh, a similar on my coach. 
um, the the chassis batteries, the ones that are uh, to start the engine, were going dead. And I realized the alternator was only charging at about 11.9 volts, which is really low. And that's part of why the batteries went dead. And I was on the road and I didn't, I, I have one shop here in Oregon that I'd like to do all the work on the coach, just like I talk about with trucks. So rather than replace the alternator on the road, um, I decided to just throw a couple cheap batteries in it. Um, you know, on the coach, I have the, the six house batteries that I can always use to start the truck and those were fine. So, um, but mine would drain really quick. Now, a, an alternator charging at 13.4, that's not ideal. We want to be at 13.8 to 14.2, but at 13.4, you could go a year and never even notice a problem. So um, I would hold off on doing anything with the alternator right now until we figure out why these batteries are losing voltage so fast. I don't think I've ever seen one lose it that quickly. That's quick. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a, a short or something that is drawing just a tremendous amount of power off this thing. But I also think you'd have to have bad batteries to be discharged that fast. That's kind of where I was thinking. And I, I was uh, I was back in our company yard this last week and I told him, I said, well, maybe order me some batteries. And next time I get back, we'll change them out and see if that's it. Yeah, I but think what also I... Also, when I... It seems... Well, go ahead. Tell me the the uh, what else there might be, and then I'll tell you what I would do with this. All right. I, what, I, what I seem to notice is that when I have the, uh, the APU on and uh, getting back up north where the weather is, and I have the, the, the heater on as well, it seems like when the heater's on and drawing power or was, was, was drawing heat, that uh, that kicks in the, the APU rather quickly and, and the cycling between going on and back off again, or going off and back on again is very short. Can that, can that heater maybe be uh, drawing the, the power like that? That is one thing that could, no, well, wait a minute. What kind of heater is it? That's a, that's a S bar or a, I'm not too now, sure which one it is. Now, the, the, a diesel-fired heater uses very little electricity at all. That's the whole point of them. They're diesel-fired. It gets most of its power from the fuel, so that wouldn't right. be a big draw. Um, you know, it, with a little bit of electrical knowledge, you could do some testing yourself. You pull the battery cables off completely, so we separate the batteries from the electrical system. And then you could use a multimeter to check the draw itself and figure out if if there's a big draw here, then we want to go find it. And you could find it by turning things on and off and, and going through the truck. So if it were me, and again, if you have, you know, reasonable knowledge of electrical issues in a multimeter, I would do what I normally recommend pull all the battery cables off, clean everything up, load, test those batteries, um, work from the cables out to the ECM, clean up all the connections, redo the grounds. I would also be looking for a draw while I had those cables off. Um, and when you get everything else right, then I'd go back and look at that alternator. 
Um, but that's not the biggest problem here. So this one's just going to require some troubleshooting. Let's go to, we're off to Pennsylvania. Tad, welcome to the program. What do you say, Mr. Rutherford? What's on your mind today? Yeah, I wanted to, I was trying to get, oh, get in with Bruce, but I wanted to give you some, uh, a quick update. One, uh, we're two weeks from my cutoff date for corporation, and my taxes are just about filed with uh, CLA. All done, Good. all paid, everything. Gone and gone, and I ain't got to worry about it. I turned all my accounting over to you guys. I did it for three years, and I just, I'd rather have you got them guys do it, and I ain't got to worry about nothing. So I wanted to update you on that. Very glad, very pleased, and I should be getting a return. So Excellent. On that note, so I got that, and I'm all done with that. Number two, I wanted to update you. This trap phenomenal, Kevin. As it gets warmer. I'm getting more and more soot out, more and better fuel mileage, 1,000 miles to one tank of, for a tank of death now. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I've got now, because I clean it every two weeks, and uh, I've got now maybe an eighth of an inch high of soot across the whole bottom of a sandwich bag. Yeah, that's... Uh... That that's exciting, you know, because that soot trap is is brand new. You were actually the first test, and uh, it it just looks like we're going to see some amazing results out of that. Yeah, and John had asked me, and if I can do it, I'm going to go to the Louisville Truck Show. They they requested that I be there. Um, I've never been to a truck show, but I'm going to try to make it down there. But you know, buddy, uh, you know, a lot of people say you know the least thing and this and that. It's been hard, but I know what my big picture is. I know my rewarding results when it's all said and done. I've already got my inside connection with the same people as you taught me to talk and, and filter around. Uh, very good deal, over two bucks a mile. Uh, I'm almost to the stage when I'm ready to. I got um, to do this on my own. I've got my plans to go buy my Reaper trailer, uh, do my next step. But the results are. My big picture, Kevin, is just it's, it's phenomenal. And I wouldn't have been able to do it. I got to get off here because I know you got more people. But I wouldn't have been able to do it, Kevin, if it wasn't. And I really mean this. I know you hear it all the time. But if it wasn't for you and Bruce and John and bringing this to us, I wouldn't be successful or where I'm at in today's uh, trucking industry. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for the feedback. And that that's what we do. You know, it, it, it the same things I talk about providing value, building relationships, customer service, all the things I talk about that, that you should be doing as a business owner. We live those things here. We're not always perfect, but that's, we, we try to bring as much value as we possibly can. And the guys at Pittsburgh Power are certainly a big part of that on the maintenance side. So we appreciate all of our partners as well. Let's get to Georgia. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing great. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, all the talk about autonomous trucks, and uh, the other day, uh, Sunday, it kind of clicked on me there, and it's the uh, autonomous trucks might be a good thing for owner-operators. In, uh, I, you know, in, in the short term, and when I say short term, I'm talking at least a decade, 
and possibly more than that, prob very probably more than that, I think the autonomous trucks are a huge advantage to, to an owner-operator. And I've even said, I think the opportunity is in a, a, a good business-minded owner-operator with his own authority. I, I think there's going to be huge opportunities there. So I'm not talking about autonomous trucks to make everybody feel like they're going to lose their job next year. That's not going to happen. Some people are going to start losing their jobs to these trucks. So within the next five years, I guarantee you there's a driver that's going to lose his job to one of these trucks. Um, we're going to see changes, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be tremendous opportunities while this happens. Yes, I see, you know, the, uh, the private fleets uh, that just do A to B, you know, uh, FedEx, Walmart, whatever, uh, running in and out of fixed locations. Yeah, that that's a that's a direct shoe in for the autonomous stuff. But for service providing, uh, you look at the the A to B action of getting back and forth from uh, customer to customer. Uh, that's actually wasted time that you could be spending, you know, servicing other customers in other vehicles if the if the truck's doing the heavy lifting for you. Exactly. Yeah. This. This does not have to be a negative thing. Now, 30 years from now, are there going to be truck drivers anymore? Hell, I don't know. We could have flying trucks by then. I, I don't know. But I'm not worried about 30 years from now. I, I, I'm looking at the next five. I think in today's world, trying to plan much more than five years out, I, I think it's kind of a waste of time. We, we have technology changes so fast today. I don't know what things are going to look like in five years, but I do know that in the next five years, there's going to be a ton of opportunity for the people that pay attention and get ready for this. Right. So I, I am with, I think that, uh, we, and again, that's why I talk about it. Not to, not to say, Oh, look, you're going to lose your job. Because I don't, if all the tr people listening to me lose their job, then guess what? I lose mine too. Think about that. It's not that I want these trucks. They're coming though. We better be ready for it. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothman. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get uh, right back to some phone calls. We're off to Pennsylvania. Stanley, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Uh, fuel fuel mileage issue. Uh, I was running, well, 
this past October, I put eight new drives on Yokohama seven, uh, 577, and I was running Yokohama 755s, but at the time I was un- unable to get them. So okay. then with the then with the winter blend, you know that happens in November. My mileage dropped off hmm, probably about a mile and a half. Okay, I'm down to like low sixes, six five, okay. you know. But I was around the seven eight eight mile mile and you know average. But uh, I'm just wondering, is the blend in the tire combination what's what's really putting a hurt into it? Well, the the tires we can actually calculate. So, do you happen? I I did load up my sheet today before the show. Do you happen to know the rolling resistance numbers on those two tires? Uh, I know the five seventy seven is probably in the one high one thirties, and that and that seven fifty five was probably like one twenties at the time. Okay. Uh so. So roughly for every 10 points in rolling resistance on a drive tire, we're going to lose about a tenth of a mile per gallon. So when you, if you could take a tire, say, from 150 all the way down to 100, then you'd be looking at a half mile per gallon. But if you, you've only gone from 120 to 130, all we would expect to lose on the tire would be a tenth of a mile per gallon, there's one other factor. A tire gets more efficient as it wears out. So when you switch from a worn out tire to a new tire, you're going to lose some fuel efficiency there as well. And just a rough guess, I'm going to say maximum difference in fuel economy based on the tires was about three tenths. Um, but winter, where have you, what, what has the weather been like, um, where you've done most of your driving? I've been back and forth from Pennsylvania to Michigan. Oh, so you've been in bad weather all year. It's been winter weather, cold, snow, sleet, all that crap. Um, losing a mile and a half per gallon in the winter time is about normal, especially when you run in the north. You know, if you're running I-10 all, all winter long, you, you, you're not going to lose that much. But up where you are, yeah, I, I don't get too crazy about it. We we see that all the time. All right, then. I appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to head off to Indiana. Al, I know you had a question for Pittsburgh Power. I'll see if I can help. Yeah, good afternoon, Kevin. I've got a uh, Fitzgerald glider in a car carrier that I've got uh, just right at a year on. I'm very pleased with it. I brought my fuel mileage up quite a bit. Got several of the things that you talked about. I've been considering the uh, power box. I I run uh, Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, so it's pretty decent hills loaded and then come back empty 50% of the time. Do you think this would be a good purchase for me? Um. Uh, yeah, it would. And I'll tell you why. Um, the power box, when you are loaded, obviously a a car hauler, you know, it's working pretty hard. You've got horrible aerodynamics. You're going to be fairly heavy. So the power box would be awesome. Then the nice thing is when you're empty, you can turn it down or turn it off. 
and and you'll be able uh-huh. to play around. And, and and you may find that when you're loaded, your best setting is three, and when you're empty, your best setting is one. I mean, that's the beauty of the power box is it has that you know adjustability factor. Um, you know, when somebody puts a power box on in a situation like this and they drive it right, meaning you know they're not out racing everybody up every hill. Uh, we see three to five tenths. Plus, it's more drivable. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I've also seen people put a power box on and lose fuel because they're racing. Yeah. I'm, I'm making a conscious effort to get my fuel mileage uh, up and good for a car carry. I brought it from uh, five miles to a gallon, of course, when it was new. And uh, I'm up to almost six consistently now. So I feel pretty good about that with in a car carrier, and I'm I'm oh, driving sixty, that is, you know, usually sixty miles an hour, and, and I that that's you know, I just awesome. thought that power would really help me. Yeah, that's you know, kind of most of the time when when people come to me with a car hauler, they're in the mid four, you know, four and a half mile to the gallon range. If they're getting five, they're happy. Uh-huh. Our goal for them is always six. We shoot for six, and we can. We usually always get there. Every once in a while, we'll get past that, and it looks like you have the opportunity to even break that six, which is awesome. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. So, all right, well, that's probably what I'll do. Is that do you recommend just doing that myself, or would there really be any need to I go would. to Pittsburgh to have that now, done? There isn't. It, it's um, it's pretty straightforward. There's some wiring depending on where you want to put the controller, but it's not that big of a deal if you're even remotely handy. Um, I would tackle that one yourself. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Herschel, are you there? Yeah, there you are. There you go. Go oh, ahead. Come on, telephone. Okay. Well, you ask about tax. Um, I did turn mine in to my accountant lady. I had two 1099s this year. One of them was to the penny with profit gauges. The other one was off $6.83. I wasn't even going to try to find that. And uh, I turned it in to her and gave her the report. She said, oh, my God, where did you get that report? So, of course, I had to tell her all about it. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> who, we, who knows? She she might refer some of her owner operators because that's she her husband was an owner operator, so she does a lot of truckers. Oh, good. You know, we find that our biggest fan for that software are other accountants, other tax preparers. They love yeah. when an owner operator comes to them with our report from Profit Gauges because it's just drop dead simple. Uh, so. Thanks for the feedback on that. Um, you just reminded me of something, though. I This weekend, I need to do the show about 1099s being incorrect. Yeah, buddy. You got to watch that like a hawk. Last year, mine was off $23,000. Yeah. I, I've seen some horrible yeah. mistake 1099s that never get caught. That's why I do that show every year. Make sure you are verifying the amount on your 1099. Like you said, in profit gauges, it's just drop dead easy. But no matter what system you are, you've got to look to make sure your 1099 is correct. Otherwise, you could end up paying tax on money you never got. And we see it all the time. Exactly. Well, when it comes to tires, that's my main question today. Right now, I have 
TY517MC squares from Yokohama. Okay. They were born with they were born with 29.30 seconds. They now have 12.30 seconds, and I have 180,000 miles on them doing intermodal. I'm going to buy tires probably about August or September, so I get a good casing credit before they're totally gone. Is that 517 still the tire to get, or is there a new tire that does better wear per 30 second and all those other factors? for me to consider, or should I stay with the 517 and steering tires? Um, Mike Beckett says H-rated for the steering, which I have. Is there a benefit for H-rated over G on the drives? Not on the drive so much. We see on the steer because, so. yeah, on the steer, we're always, especially the newer trucks are just so heavy on that steer axle that you just seem to run right up to the weight limits all the time on the steer axle. So having the A-traded up there really helps the wear. And, and steer tires, obviously, that's where we have most of our wear issues. So I, I uh, unless you need the weight rating itself, I would not change on the drives. Um, and, okay. you know, that, that's a good tire, and it seems like you've had good luck with it. I, I think I would just stick with it. Okay. Good enough. That's All right. what I was wondering. Thanks for the call. Let's head. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to take us into a break. And then uh, we've got one more segment. I'm going to get to that right, right after this. So stick around. And we'll get back to more of your calls and questions right after this. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. There's always something new going on over there. We've got new products in the store. We've got some great snack foods, things, foods you can keep in your truck. We've got some of the best beef sticks I've ever seen. Check those out. Lots of new stuff. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's head off to Arizona. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thank you very much. Um, appreciate what you do for us out here. Last welcome. year, about May, June, I, I bought your system, been gone through it. And last month, I found out that um, I had the opportunity to get a hold of my dad's truck since he passed away three years ago. And that's kind of the big issue. Um, it's an 07 Freightliner Century automatic. The mileage on it is somewhere between 650 and 750. Okay. Um, I drove it 
for four months, basically November, December, January, and February uh, 2012 and 13. And I drove it with him. So I am slightly familiar with it, but um, I haven't seen that truck since I got off of it. Okay. Um, where it's sitting is at a, uh, a dealer lot, um, which is where it was towed because my dad passed away in his truck. Um, okay. Right now, I'm just going through the process of getting the title transferred into my name. Some of the things I'm, I'm concerned about um, with that truck is obviously the batteries are going to have to be replaced. The tires are about nine months old. Um, he'd gotten them about nine months before he passed away. And from there, I'm just wondering, you know, do all I really need to do is just have him completely drain all the fluids, you know, pull a sample maybe, um, drain drain the fuel tanks uh, to get the whatever creds in there out. And then can I run it? Because what I want to do is I want to I want to cash flow it to upgrade it, which is a great idea. And so here's what I would do: the the kind of okay. problems that can surface, and I say can because they don't always. The kind of problems that can surface when a truck has been sitting are usually not the kind of problems that are going to leave you broke down on the road and on a hook. You're going to notice okay. them over time. The tires I would leave alone. My, my number is five years, and you're not there. Okay. They were only about eight months old. It's been sitting for three. I'd run the tires. I don't think you're going to see a problem with those at all. Um, I figured best-case scenario, I could run those for a year and, and then you know, cash flow those yeah. even. So. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would not replace the tires. That's a big expense, and they're only less than four years old. I wouldn't worry about the tires. I, I don't okay. even think I would drink fuel. Um, I, I would run it, you know, okay. if, if there, if there's okay. gunk in there and here's what I would do, I would just make sure that I had extra filters and a wrench with me, you know, changing a fuel filter okay. on the road, not that big of a deal. If we start driving it and it feels like we're getting a, a clogged fuel filter, swap out the filter, cut the old one open and let's see what's in there. If it's algae, let's just treat okay. the algae, but I don't want to throw away a couple of hundred dollars worth of fuel. We may not need to, um, the other okay. fluids. I, I've seen trucks sit with, you know, oil for three years and the oil's just fine. It might show up as a little oxidized, but it still works. Um, so, okay. you know, if it was due for an oil change, clearly I would do it. Um, based on the records, though, if it just had an oil change six or 7,000 miles ago, I'd just go run it. Um, my thought almost uh, on a truck like this, and I did this, I bought a truck that had been sitting 10 years. Had, hadn't hardly had any miles put on it in 10 years. And I literally jumped in it, started it up, and started driving it across the country. I bought it in Virginia and had to get it all the way back to Oregon. Um, and by driving it, I learned what I needed to get done. So I okay. kind of doubt that there's anything major, that there's anything that would stop you from going out and starting to make money. I, I would clearly okay. go through it. I'd look it over real good, um, you know, do good thorough inspections, but I wouldn't spend a lot of money till I went out and drove it and see what things were like. Okay. Yeah. Um, if everything times right, I should do that at the end of this month, beginning of, of April, uh, basically drive it from, from Texas to, to my home in Arizona. 
Um, I'm still a company that driver drive right alone. now, but yeah, that that drive alone will give you some ideas of what might need to be worked okay. on. Okay, so I'll just kind of tentatively plan to only deal with having to replace the batteries and then just go from there. You know, it, it, it's not entirely um, out of the question that the batteries are okay. And we could load test those. So, you, you, you know, you could call the dealer before you go there and ask them if they'll throw it on a charger. So bring the okay. batteries up to charge and then you could load test them. And again, maybe you get six months out of the batteries. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, quick question to run a tractor, not pulling a trailer. Um, I don't need any authorities to do that, do I? All you need is a temporary tag. That's it. Just a temp tag and just a liability insurance? Yep. Yep, that's it. Yep, okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to the program. Um, I have two questions or a comment and a question. What is a good tire inflation system or monitoring, I should say? Uh, on the monitoring system, we did a ton of testing on this. My God, this was the, it took me over three years to finally decide on a uh, tire pressure monitoring system. And honestly, I didn't find any that I was completely happy with. There, the, that technology, you know, the, it's the sensors themselves that are the biggest problem. And those sensors are just in a rough environment. They're, if you use an outside sensor, they're exposed to all the weather. They're spinning around, you know, a million times a day. Um, you will have sensor issues. I don't care whose system you use. So just understand that a, a tire pressure monitoring system is not something you put on the truck and forget about for three years. Usually, you know, every year you're going to replace a couple sensors here and there. We played around with the internal sensors, and they have some issues as well. So this is a technology that I love, but there isn't, like, the perfect system yet. So I, I just like people to realize that, you know, I love having it. I wouldn't have a vehicle without them, but you're going to replace some sensors here and there, and there are going to be some issues, just part of the technology. Um, have you looked at any yet? Are, are you? Are there any that you're leaning towards? Uh, Mike Beckett had said Durand or Pressure Pro. Uh, and either one of the best. Yeah, either one of those would be fine. And you know, Mike deals quite a bit with these systems, and he stays up on it. My testing was several years ago, um, so uh, I trust Mike on this. Um, and again, like I said, I, I, it took me three years because every system I tried right about at the 12 month mark, the, the sensors would start to fail and I would think, okay, well, I'll you just go try another system. I, almost every system I tried it's somewhere in that first 12 months, you were going to be, um, replacing sensors. So I, I would look at either one of those and see which one you like better. Okay. Okay. Uh, my comment uh, is I stopped, 
jumped off that Pittsburgh power yesterday, and I'm set up to be a remote tuner out of Minnesota now. And that is quite the awesome place to visit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, that's exciting. You're going to be one of their remote tuners. How cool. And being I was there, I had them throw my truck on the dyno. I bought a Fitzgerald. I inspected from the ground up, 18-speed with 264s. I have a chip on here. Without the chip on, I was at 1650 torque and 535 horse. With that lot of Fitzgerald. And with yeah. a Pittsburgh power box on nine, they said I hold the record at 2,300 foot-pounds of torque and 729 horse at the ground. Oh. Wow. That is phenomenal. Holy cow. I should say that's for Detroit. They said we've never seen a Detroit put out that kind of power before. Yeah, I, I, I thought the upper end with electronics on a Detroit was about 700, and it sounded like you broke that. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. So what did you think of their uh, their um, the the dyno setup? They used to call it the Dragon. I think they have they're calling it something else now. That is something to see. Pretty awesome. Yeah, Everything yeah, that is the place. I mean. Yeah. You're right. The, the Their engineering center, uh, everything Bruce has done over there in the last couple of years, just awesome. The uh, the dyno securement, anybody that's ever put a truck on a dyno knows what a pain it is. It's hard to get them chained down. It's hard to get them chained down right. And it, it, you can do damage to a truck when you don't get it chained down right. But their system, just awesome. We've talked about it here before on the show. There's the music. That means I've got to get out of here. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work. And master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.